Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Deirdre Jacobs' body must be found if anybody is to be convicted for her murder, according to a retired cold case detective. Today is the 24th anniversary of Deirdre's disappearance in County Kildare, and she was just 18 years old when she disappeared as she was walking home in Newbridge, County Kildare, on July the 28th, 1998. And Gardy believes she was murdered, but no one has ever been convicted. Rapist and attempted murderer Larry Murphy, of course, has long been a suspect in the case. However, the DPP recently decided that the Gardaí didn't have enough evidence to charge him. Now, Alan Bailey was the lead detective in the Garda cold case unit before his retirement. Alan helped search for Ireland's missing women for 13 years as part of an Operation Trace and has said he has never given up hope that they would eventually be found. I'm delighted to be joined by Alan Bailey on the line. Alan, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you, Niall. Thanks for having me on. Well, let, let's just go to Deirdre first. Yeah. I mean, you know, an Irish woman who disappeared in Newbridge, County Kildare on the 28th of July, 1998. I mean, Deirdre was last seen about three o'clock, I remember, in the afternoon, if I remember rightly. That's correct, yeah. yeah, she'd been in Allied Irish Banks at the time. I mean, when that case came along, was there, they always say the first 24 hours is the most important in all of these type of cases. Was there some sort of indication in that first 24 hours when you were on that case or when you were around at the time that there was a possibility that we might have a lead in this? At the very outset, Niall, this is a unique case in that I'd say within three hours of Deirdre going missing from outside her front door, the alarm was raised by her mother who went into Newbridge Garda Station and within another hour or so, searches were actually organised in the immediate vicinity of the house. So, I mean, some of these cases suffer because past the time or it might be a day or two days before people realise that somebody is missing. But in this instance, as I say, it was about three hours between her last being seen alive standing at the entrance gateway to her front garden mm-hmm. and her mother reporting her missing. At the time of her disappearance, she was wearing a dark uh, T-shirt, uh, white shoes, and was carrying a black bag. That's right, a cat uh, bag. A caterpillar bag. Yeah, that's, that's right, that's a very right. distinctive bag. Yeah, and she had she had also popped into her, I think, her grandmother's shop. She had um, owned a shop. At that that's time. right, on the way back to her home, yeah, Rosemary. Now, unfortunately, you're talking about 1998. Things are very different nowadays. Nowadays, the Gardaí would have CCTV cameras everywhere, and yeah. she'd be picked up somewhere. But unfortunately, the technology, yeah. or maybe the education around these type of investigations wouldn't have been as good. Not quite as good. No, there was actually CCTV footage of her in the post office posting away a, a check, a postal order for her accommodation. She was attending college in London. So she was unusual in that aspect that there was actually footage. And then there was some footage of her walking down the main street, heading out of town. Mm-hmm. Not not good footage by today's standards, but there was some actual footage. And we can't, of course, talk about this without mentioning the word Larry Murphy. And in 2016, her own parents said that they believed there was no strong link uh, between Larry Murphy and their daughter's disappearance, although there was a piece of paper with Larry Murphy's name and phone number amongst the belonging of Deirdre's maternal grandmother. That's correct, yeah. So, so that was the only link, was it, that, that, at no, the time? The, the, the piece of paper you referred to was a business card belonged to Larry Murphy that was found in her grandmother's shop, and he was advertising himself for making in, building furniture and things like that. Yeah, he was a carpenter. He, he well, was he used to make children, children's toys. Course, yeah. A very good one, too. Yeah. And, so, and, and in 2018, the case was reclassified as a murder inquiry. Correct, yeah. and, and why would it be reclassified? or Was it not already a murder inquiry? It wasn't, no. Uh, in, these instances, in these cases, it's very difficult to prove a murder where you don't have a body. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, in civil cases, if a person is missing for up to seven years, well, then it's assumed that they're dead. But in criminal cases, it's a huge different standard of proof. So it was wasn't until two, 2018 when all the proof of life inquiries were finally exhausted that Gardaí could say with defin- definitely that Deirdre was no longer alive. And in that, at that particular time, the Guardian also stated that they identified Larry Murphy as a person of interest. Yep. Now, he's always been a person of interest. He's always been that, he, yeah. He's even been profiled by the FBI yep. in relation to it. So, where, I mean, where are we now with this case? Now, I know in October 2021, they, they searched the woodland yeah. uh, near Kildare Wicklow border there. Now, they didn't find anything, yeah. unfortunately, apart from some... Yeah, uh, a, a file was submitted to the law officers, which must be nearly three years ago now, in relation to admissions that I actually took in my time in the police, which was 11 years ago, about um, a claim that Larry had admitted being involved in the abduction and murder of Deirdre. This is to an inmate in jail That's or correct, something? Yeah. Yeah. No, um, the, the problem with that is it's, I know myself as an investigator how difficult it is to get a prosecution, let alone a conviction, based solely on... On hearsay. On, yeah, and, and admissions as well. And this is a third party admission. It, it is, as you say, pure hearsay. Mm. So in that respect, it it did need something else with it, you know, to kind of push it along. Yeah. And in the intervening period, another prisoner had come forward, but not quite as definitive as the first one. And again, it was totally dependent on I heard somebody saying, you know, so it fell it fell short. Now, I disappointed as an investigator, but I would have to say that I could see where the law officers might have had difficulty with it. Yeah, you're kind of you're you're hoping you're hanging on to a thread, hope, really. Yes, hope against hope. Yeah. So so by the way, where is Larry Murphy now? The last he, I, I remember him being in the news. He was in the UK or living. That's in correct. He's actually in London now, and the the Larry cannot be um, extradited for the purpose of being interviewed in relation to this case. He could only be interviewed or only extradited for the purpose of actually being charged with the current legislation. So he he's he can stay in London as long as there's no definitive evidence yeah, to yeah. to link him to this crime or That's to any of these yeah. crimes. Yeah, and I, I'm, I've always been all along of the thought that uh, Larry Murphy is the one man who can put Larry Murphy in or out of this case. There's no reason why, as an innocent man, Larry Murphy couldn't either directly or through a solicitor approach the authorities and say, "Look, on that date I was in such and such a place. It couldn't be me." It would be that simple to do, you know. So he's never offered any counter never evidence, offered, no, yeah, no. or an alibi of any no. description. And but mind you, he has no obligation to because no, he no, hasn't been questioned. No, no. But but in but in saying that, you know, he has been the main suspect yeah, in the case. He's he's there in the in the waters the whole time. Yeah, uh, I I always, always maintain that uh, also that to kind of put your hat on it that it's Larry Murphy and nobody else would be a huge mistake. Also, as an investigator. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because yeah. that would send you in the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it could might have an adverse effect on your. And at, at the time, if you can remember back, Alan, was there anybody else that may not have been a suspect, but certainly a person of interest? Was there oh. anybody else in that area that would have been considered to be, you know, a high risk to carry out a crime? Like oh, oh there certainly was. Yeah. no doubt about that. You know, I mean, it's just not. He's not the only one. Yeah, but it's the modus operandi that he used. And a subsequent crime where he abducted a girl down in County Carlo uh, would give you pause for thought. Mm. I mean, there was there was a lot of girls at that time disappeared. 
Um, they're known as the disappeared, of course. Annie McCarrick, Jojo Dollard, yeah. Fiona Pender. Um, there's Fiona Sinnott, Kira Breen, Deirdre Jacob, of yeah. course, yeah. and Imelda Keenan, Ava Brennan. There was any amount of women, Quite a few, and most uh, in the 90s, in that part uh, of the 90s. That's correct, yeah. And in 1998, I was part of a specialist task force that was set up by the Yarnish Commissioner to examine all those cases in total, looking for commonalities, to see, did we have a serial killer in operation? And do you uh, do believe there was a link, not between them all, because some of them clearly there wouldn't have been, yeah. but do you believe there was a link certainly between five or six of those who would have been taken or would, in and around the same area, in and around the same time? Well, what, what I say is that there's definitely cases where there, where there is no link, definitely no link. So, yeah. you know, and without further evidence, you're only speculating on whether there was a link in the other cases, but mm. certainly in some of them, we can say with certainty that there was no link. Yeah. And where are we now when it comes to Deirdre Jacob? Because you know, I know Deirdre Jacob's parents will never accept, yeah. you know, that she's not coming home. They, oh, no. oh, they, no. they do believe there's always that possibility. Always yeah, that there possibility. is always that possibility. There is, there is, of course. And we saw that some last year, the year before last year, some youngster finally escaped from the clutches of a man who had held her for a number of years in America. That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. She, she had been reported, she, her parents had never given up hope either. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a huge thing to expect a family, a huge step for a family to have to take. To, ex- to, to accept that, to that accept their daughter it, yeah. or son is, is dead. And especially when you don't have any place to, go, to carry out the grieving process or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think we will ever get to the end of it? Do you, because, of course, technology has got better... Uh, Guardian yeah, investigation has got better. We've seen that they've reopened the case, of course, of Ian Bailey too, and yeah. Sophie Tus- yeah. Tuscan de Plantier as well, yeah. because we can re-examine old evidence. Yeah, as it, it's unbelievable the, the advances that have been made in technology and in forensic science over the years. And as a former cold case detective, I will always say that I would never say never. Mm-hmm. So you would always have that hope in I the would back of your have mind. That hope. I would, I would have. Mm. And Alan, I, I'm sure you're in contact with detectives now and I suppose you're wishing and helping them as much oh, as yeah, you can yeah. because obviously I know, I know you're retired now from yeah. what you do now. I mean, it, it must have been a very, I, I, although very grim to, you know, walk into the scene of a crime, particularly a crime where there would be a body. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it must have been a very interesting career. A most interesting job. I, I, I did 39 years in the Gardaí and I think my first murder investigation was back in 1975 or 76. And it went on from there until 2011. So I'd have to say it's a, a, a huge job. Do you, take it, do you take it personally? I mean, oh, when, you, when you get involved in investigation, yeah. do you, when yeah. you look into the parents' yeah. eyes or the, or, the, or the loved one's eyes, I suppose you have to take it personally. You do. You, you can never forget that you're dealing with that the person, the, the, your crime, you are your, your, the victim of your crime is or was a living, breathing human being up to the moment that somebody took their life. And it's very important that not to lose sight of that. And the day you lose sight of that is the day you shouldn't be doing murder investigations. I had a colleague that every, his big habit every, every time he went to a crime scene was he blessed himself. You know, and little things like that. And when you, when you look into, say you're questioning somebody, I mean, we all remember that very famous interview on the Late Late Show with Joe O'Reilly mm-hmm. uh, after the murder of his wife, Rachel. I mean, and I think everybody and his mother watched that interview that night in the Late Late Show and said he's lying. I mean, did you, when you were interviewing people, would you would you have been able to pick up immediately? Because there is body language, I suppose. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Would, would you would you been able to spot the liars immediately? There, there are, and there are certain eye, eye movements and uh, hand gestures and things that, you, you know, you say this person is either lying or trying to think up an answer that won't involve them. 
Yeah, go into too. Uh, they always say that the liar goes into too much detail. Joe O'Reilly was a great Often example of that on the Late Late Show that time. Yeah, I will right. tell half truths. Yeah, you know, and it's in the it's in the truth that the it's in the truth that the real truth lies. Yeah, yeah. and it, it must give you great satisfaction then when you eventually get you know the DPP you know allows you to press charges well, and you take someone to court and they're found guilty in and the end. And they're found guilty, yeah. and they're found guilty by a jury of their peers, which is so important because it's not a policeman saying, "Oh yeah, he did it." It's the ordinary people saying that you're right, he did do it. We, we have had some more recent cases, and I won't go into too deeply into who they are, but high-profile cases where people were convicted on circumstantial evidence. Yep. Um, do you get concerned when that happens? Because, of course, then an appeal can come along, as we've seen more recently, yes. uh, and individuals could find themselves back out of jail again. Do you get concerned when, when circumstantial evidence is used rather than... And I, I don't know the law, by the way. Do you, do you have to have a body before you can accuse somebody of murder? No, you don't have to, but it's, it's, it's unique in this jurisdiction. I think there's been only one or two others ever. One that springs to mind is Captain Robert Nyrak. He was a, an English army captain, was abducted and murdered. Five men were found guilty of his murder without his body ever being recovered. But it's, it's more the exception than the norm. Right, OK. And and when you have the circumstantial evidence, I suppose, then that becomes a little bit questionable sometimes. You get a bit concerned, yeah, I suppose, I, I, I was personally involved in a case a number of years ago where the wrong man was charged with a double murder and spent a number of months in custody. And myself and a colleague went very much out on a limb with our superiors to highlight the fact that we felt that we have the wrong, the wrong man. man. And it, as it happened later on, we, we were vindicated completely. And that must have been difficult for you then to, to it, approach it that man and say, listen, we're sorry we got it wrong. Yeah, and it, the thing has been men enough, as I say, to put your hand up and say, look, we're wrong. Yeah. And it's very important. I mean, I know somebody out there must know something about Deirdre Jacob. There has to be somebody. And if, if they were listening today... You know, if maybe they've spoken to somebody who talked yeah. to somebody and that bit of evidence to them might seem completely, you know, circumstantial or it's irrelevant. But to the Garda Sheikhan, it can mean an awful oh, lot. It can be that, it can, that piece of a jigsaw puzzle. Exactly. What, what it, would you say to them? Dan, I would tell those people, it's never too late to come forward. You never have to feel guilty because you didn't tell the police today what you're going to tell them tomorrow. It's, a, it's you know, loyalties change and pressures and... Somebody you're in fear of today or that you're dependent on today, that could all change in a number of years. And that's what we found in the cold case cases, that people were given alibis a number of years ago for people. All of a sudden, we're, we're no longer being influenced or threatened by these people. So somebody, it, somebody might have been an intimate partner maybe with correct, somebody yeah, yeah. would say, oh, he was with me all night yeah, or that's whatever. Correct. And that's yeah. happened in a good few well-publicised well, uh, cases. Mm. And all they say to people that are there, don't be afraid that we're going to condemn you because you never came forward until now. And you won't be in trouble. Well, you can ring the Garda Confidential Line as that's well. It, that's it, exactly. So yeah. you, you can remain anonymous you can if remain you want. remain anonymous. Okay, and, so... And that's all it'll take is one phone call. And, and, and I would say the same, not just about Deirdre Jacob, about any of the other women that are missing. I mentioned them all there, Annie McCarrick, Jojo Dollard, Fiona Pender, because, um, of course, these all these people have family, Fiona Sin, Kira yeah, Breen. And a, a lot of... The, the publishing that was thrown those cases is generated by the families who have never given up the fight yeah. for their lo- loved one. And your heart will go to those people. Of course. I, can, I couldn't imagine what it's like. No, well, I know, I know my own brother went missing for three days. Eventually, they found his body yeah. uh, in Injikora in the, uh, the canal. But for that, I remember that three days, yeah. my mother and father and what they went to. So I could, I could only imagine what it's like if it was three years or, or 20 years. Yeah, but no answers. Yeah. Yeah, it must be very, very difficult. Yeah. But look, yeah. 
Alan, I really appreciate you coming on the air and hopefully maybe somebody's listening. Just a small bit of information. Anybody who remembers, I know it's a long time ago now, but there might have been a, might have been a sunny day that you were out having a good time yeah. and you might have seen something. 28th of July, 1998, Newbridge, County Kildare, uh, the AIB Bank you might have been in, you might have been in the shop, you might have been anywhere in the post office, anywhere around uh, where Deirdre Jacob might have been. You might have just spotted a car that was unusual, anything. If you think or you've talked to somebody who said, oh yeah, I was talking to such a chap who said he did it or he did it. All that information is important. Even if it means nothing and it's irrelevant and leads to nothing, it's important to the Garda Síochána. Listen, Alan, and if people want to contact the confidential telephone number, it's 1-800-666-311. Couldn't be easier to remember. 1-800-666-311. Alan, thanks very much for okay, joining us today. And I really appreciate you coming okay. on the air, all right? Right, take care now. There you go. Alan Bailey, cold case detective. I, I, aside from, obviously, everything we spoke to, I have to say it must be a really interesting um, career because I suppose no two days are the same. You know what I mean? There is no two days that are the same. Every day is different. Every day is another challenge. And I suppose, as I said to him, you, you do tend to take things personally. You know? Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Oh.